Well, I love stories like this, stories of your generosity. We are so grateful for our veterans, and we're grateful for your generosity and the impact that you're making all across uh, DFW, Keller, here in McKinney, our Hazlitt area. And uh, I'm excited about moments like this where we're going to have opportunities to continue to serve as we start our United uh, series, and we'll have opportunities as small groups to be able to serve. And, and you've heard me talk about how we'll do Serve Day, and uh, we kind of all come together and, and we kind of focus around some uh, specific serve projects uh, one time a year, but really we're serving all the time, all year long. And uh, with our United series, you're going to have an opportunity where it's not so much us defining the lane for you, but you as small groups finding the needs around you and serving and meeting those needs, whether that's with a veteran, whether that's with uh, a neighbor down the street that's just in need. It could be a single mom. It could be a coworker. And so it's exciting to hear uh, about opportunities like that. And I'm excited to hear about some of the things that you as a spiritual family, as a church, come up with and the impact that you're going to make. Well, Today, I'm doing a message called Family Matters, and uh, some of you, maybe you grew up in the uh, generation that I did, you know Family Matters, and I was asked during kind of rehearsal and run through, like, hey, are you going to work in Steve Urkel? And I just simply said, did I do that? <laughs> Brad asked me, he said, you going to get that announcement for you, Brad? So I said, I'm going to do my best. Now, some of you, you don't know. You're like, what is he talking about? We had one of our young guys on the worship team. He was like, yeah, I think I saw it. We're like, did you see Family Eyes? like, I think I saw like an episode. I said, here's the problem. That brother saw that thing on reruns like on Nickelodeon, okay? I'm like, I saw it. Like, I remember TGI Friday. You didn't have, you know, you couldn't, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You couldn't record it. You could, I'm showing my age now. You know, you like, you had to get home. You're like, you moved everything out of the way. It's TGI Friday. We're going to watch Steve Urkel, all right? And, uh, and, and so I'm going to talk today about family matters. But I want to celebrate all that God did at Prepare. This past week, we had... Three, I mean, we were, some of you were fasting for the very first time. We fasted together. We prayed together. Um, <clears throat> so proud of so many. I know it's hard. You moved things out of the way, got here early for pre-service prayer at 6 o'clock. We had uh, three amazing uh, nights. Uh, we heard from our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff, night one. Uh, pastor Josh Cossey came, and uh, it was just great to hear. He talked about, who knew, a, a, a toilet and a wallet could change your life. And if you were here on Tuesday night, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, then I just kind of wrapped up our Wednesday night service with a word that I feel like really the Lord was put on my heart for us as we just move forward, what it looks like to live with grit, grace, and gratitude. And uh, you may have misprepared. That's all right. We have the audio for you. If you would like to go back and listen to those messages, if you want to hear them, you weren't able to attend, you can actually text this number right here, text the word message to that number. Some of you already did that. I shared that with you on Wednesday night last week or earlier this week. And uh, you can text the word message to that number. We'll send you a link and then we'll send you the audio. You'll also actually be able to access the audio from really all of our previous messages. So if you're ever wondering, I've had people ask, hey, can I, where can I find that? Uh, if I go to the website, we've got Pastor Jeff, we have Keller, where can I find yours? And so we, you can just simply text that. We'll send you that audio and that way you can uh, listen as well. And I'd encourage you to listen to both, you know, and uh, you kind of double dip a little bit and it'll be great. But if you'd like to text message to that number and we'll make sure we get you that link. Uh, open up your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, and uh, we're going to get there in just a little bit. A, a few weeks ago, I shared with you about vision. 
that we're not going to keep going around the mountain and just going, hey, I guess this is just how it is, and I'm just waiting for things to change. Uh, you know, God gives us hope, and we have hope in Jesus, but hope is not a good strategy. Hoping that things are going to change isn't going to work. We decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to have an encounter with God. And we did that this past week at Prepare. And, and we're learning to do that on a daily basis on our own. We're going to gather as groups. And we're going to serve others. And so we said, hey, we're going to move forward. We're going we're gonna to move forward in what God has called us to do, who he's called us to be. Last week, I shared with you about what it looks like to remain. I shared out of John 15. He is the vine. We are the branches. And there's something that happens when we remain in him, when we're dependent upon him. The things that begin to happen is we, we begin to, to experience the power of Jesus in our life. We, we begin to make progress and we live life with purpose. And today, I, I want to share with you something that is near and dear to my heart. And uh, it, it, I get really passionate about it. I don't know about you. How many ever talk about anything that you're passionate about? You just go on and on. I mean, just name it. Uh, last weekend, I, was, I walked out, and uh, there's a gentleman here, and uh, we started talking. I'm, I, I was, I was kind of talking about football. I mean, anyone love football in here? I'm sorry for all you Pac-10 and, uh, I mean, uh, Pac-12 and Big Ten fans. You know, you get to watch uh, – I won't say it. I won't say it. The real football teams. I'm just kidding. Okay. Hook them horns. Hook them horns. I know. We've got a lot of, I've noticed over the last few weeks, we've got a lot of A&M and Oklahoma Sooner fans. I don't know what, the devil is up to something. I don't know what's happening. Lord, help them. They know not what they do. But we also have a lot of LSU fans. They've been migrating in. They're all sitting over here on the front row. They just keep coming in, you know. And so we're talking for, I went out. I was talking to a gentleman. We were just talking football. I kid you not. We, just, we started talking coaches and uh, like, like uh, game plans and what's this going to look like and who's doing that. And we, I just go on and on and on and on and on. And so, unfortunately, this guy, he's an Arkansas fan. So it's been a rough go for him for a little bit. But that's okay. That, they're they're going to be all right. They're going to be all right. They're going to be good. So, but we were just talking and we were just going on and on and on. And, and I don't know about you. I'm the same way. I, I, I can just get onto something. It could be football. It could be whatever. I don't know. What is it for you? Maybe it's baking. I don't know. Baking's your thing, right? Is it uh, crochet? Do you like, well, maybe you like to knit. I don't, I mean, gardening. Any gardeners in here? Gard no gardeners. Okay, that's good. Well, you know, all right. You, you know, whatever your thing is, you like dial into it and you're just like, let's talk about that for a little bit. My kids, it's animals. Okay, I, I don't know if you've got younger kids. Thank you, Wildcrats. My kids are now like zoologists because of Wildcrats, okay? They tell me things about animals I didn't even know. They're like, Dad, did you know this, that, and the other? We'll be outside. There's a bird flying. They're like, Dad, that's a western crested warbler. I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I was like, did you say cobbler? I like cobbler. Now are we eating pie? I don't know what's going on. So it's like they just teach you things. Well, you know, they, they started telling me about these different groups of animals, right? And we all group. There's groups that happen all the time. We're talking about sports, talking about football. You have your group. You have your people that you just kind of connect with and you just kind of gather. Well, I, I learned a few things when it comes to, to grouping of animals. Maybe you know this, right? And a, a group of geese is called a what? A gaggle. Anyone knew that? You knew that? Now you know the things you learn, okay, at Milestone Church. A gaggle. Here, here's another great one, okay? A, a group of owls is called a parliament. feel real powerful. Parliament. I want to be an owl. I mean, a, a parliament, okay? A group 
of uh, crows is called a murder. I don't want to be a crow. I don't know about you. I'm not, not no, a group of lions is what? A pride. You know that. A group of buffaloes is a gang. A group of lemurs, a conspiracy. Now I know why Madagascar was a hit, okay? A group of lemurs is a, is a conspiracy, okay? I don't know where they cut, but groups have all kinds of names. But just because you're a part of a group doesn't mean that you're part of a family. Just because you're a part of a group that focuses or talks about or does spiritual things doesn't mean you're a part of spiritual family. And that's what I want to talk to us about today is spiritual family. I want to talk about spiritual family and I want to talk about what it looks like and, and, and how do we get there because we live in a day and age where honestly culture doesn't really promote spiritual family. The, the things that we experience in life really actually pull us away. We're so socially mobile. We have so many things at our fingertips on our phones and the things that we have access to. We're so digitally connected but relationally disconnected. You know what I'm talking about? So you're, you're socially mobile. You, you have a lot of crowded loneliness that you experience. I remember hearing that term uh, for the first time from Pastor Jeff, and, and you've probably heard it here a lot if you've ever been around Milestone. Crowded loneliness is so difficult. You're in and you're a part of this big crowd, and yet at the same hand, you feel lonely. You feel isolated. You feel like you're all by yourself, but yet surrounded by a lot of people. But then there's this personalization. Everything can be personalized. We want everything personalized. And, and, you know, now, I mean, back in the day when I was growing up, personalization was like monogram. You know, you just monogrammed everything, you know. And you felt, now it's like you personalize everything. You got a profile on Netflix. You got a profile on Disney+. Plus. You got a profile here. You got a profile there. Change your profile picture. Do this. Do that. Whatever. Everything is about personalization. And what happens is we have this facade that we create in this social platform and we're so di- we work so hard to try and be digitally connected that we're relationally disconnected more than ever before. And so it makes it challenging for us to understand and know what does it look like for us to really grow and really have connectivity and, and why do we do what we do? And I, I started thinking about that and felt like it was so important for us to share. Why are we so focused as Milestone Church? Why are we so why is spiritual family so important? Why is having the conversation so important? Why are the things that we do and the way we do things so important? I was having a conversation with a gentleman this past week. We were talking about a few different things. And as we were talking through those things, I asked him this question. And I wasn't questioning him. I just asked him a question about why he enjoyed doing this particular thing. And so he shared with me why it was that he loved this particular thing. And honestly, they were great answers. It was, it was, it was really encouraging to hear. And then he told me this. He said, so what I hear you saying is why we do what we do is equally as important as what we do. And I said, you're exactly right. That's exactly right. Why do we do what we do? The why behind the what? You see, there's this vision that God designs and God gives us. God is the great visionary. He's the great vision giver. And he gives us a vision. And we go, why do we do what we do? And what I want to do today is hopefully over the next few uh, moments together, our time together is help you understand why do we do what we do as Milestone Church? Why do we do uh, serve projects? Why do we do United Series? Why do we have neck? Why do we do all these things? Because that's important. 
When you think about these videos, and we've been showing you these different moments of generosity and things like that, why do we do those things? Why is it that we do that? You see, why we serve is just as if not more important than serving. Do you serve just because you feel good about yourself and it's a badge on your, you know, okay, I did it. I did my serve project. I did my, my duty, you know, or is it because you're tying into God's vision and his heart for people, for you to be the hands and feet of Jesus to make a difference in someone's life and that the generosity that you show by using your hands, right? Maybe the talent that you have by giving of your time or maybe the treasure and the resources that you have. Then it makes a difference in people's lives. Why do you do what you do? You see, I, I want to help you just understand why. And I, I want to show something to you. It's, a, it's kind of a graph, I guess you could say, a little picture that helps us understand why we do what we do. And, and some of you, you've seen it before. And as I was preparing for this message, I thought it would be, be good to bring it back and, and show it again. You see, we have a very clear mission. We have a very clear goal. It's real simple. You've heard it probably. Reaching people and building lives. You see, you want to you always bring clarity. Vision leaks. So there's nothing wrong. It's good for me to, to go back to this. It's good for me to hear this again. Maybe you've been in this environment for a long time. You're going, oh, I've heard this before. Well, good. We need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. Maybe you're hearing this for the very first time and you're going, okay, I hear you. I've heard reaching people, building lives. Why do we do that? Why does it look this way? Why are we building this way? Well, why do we reach people and build lives? Well, the first is people are far from God. People are lost. They're in transition spiritually and relationally. I, I, I tell you, there are every weekend I meet more and more families that are in transition, whether transition in job, whether transition in, in the location that they're in. Maybe I've met so many that have moved here recently during this pandemic, right in the middle or just before or just after COVID hit and shelter in place. And so people are lost. And you may not be eternally lost. Maybe you've given your life to Jesus, but there's moments where you feel lost on the inside. And you feel a disconnect. And you're going, what do I do? And how do I, how do I get from, from, from point A to point B? But it's, it's, it's not just, okay, let's reach the lost. What's next? Well, the next thing is we want to help people take next steps. Help people take next steps. For us, practically, that's growth tracks, small groups, maybe being a part of a serve team. You go, well, why do you do that, Pastor Chris? Why do we do that as Milestone Church? Because I, here's why. Because we have an end goal. That There is an aspect that we're wanting to move towards. I'm a big fan of let's build with the end in mind. Let's reverse engineer where we want to go. Here's where we want to end up. Now, what's going to get us there? I thought about this when I was at Chick-fil-A the other day. How many of you love Chick-fil-A? You know, Christian chicken, right? You love Chick-fil-A. There's a new Christian chicken, Cane's. I told Brad this at first service. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bring Cane's into the fold. You know, they're, they're Christian chicken also, you know. It's in the sauce, secret sauce. I got out of the car today. I was like, I was thinking of Brad. I was like, it's the cane sauce. There's power in that, okay? But I was at Chick-fil-A. And if you've been to Chick-fil-A, one of the things they do so well is just their customer service. I mean, they are just amazing. I mean, if you've been to the one-off 380, it was like they started recognizing everyone sitting out in the sun waiting in this line. They bought a big old tent in. I mean, they drilled that thing into the concrete. They're not worried about, well, this is parking spot, this, that, and the other. They're like, we're here to serve people. Things are different. We got to make, and I was at one in Southlake the other day. 
And I kid you not, I'm probably 30th in line. You got two lines. This guy, this brother runs up to me and he's like, how may I help you? And so he's got his iPad and he's taking it down. And so the car in front of me moves. I'm like, well, what do I do? I guess I keep moving. So I keep moving. I just start rolling ahead. That brother is running with me. He's running next market. So I've got a 30-piece chicken. You know, he's all right, thank you. You know, let me scan your little thing. And I said, okay. And then what do I do? If you've been to, if you've been to uh, uh, Chick-fil-A, then go pull right around. They're going, and then you go to the next person. What do they do? Then you pay there. And then you go around to the, the, the last person, right? And they bring out your food in a little white tub because it's touchless, right? And then, and then you tell them thank you. And then what do they tell you? Man, y'all must have been the same Chick-fil-A I was. My pleasure. They have a process. It's an excess. Now, that's Chick-fil-A, and that's fast food. Take out the timing and what they're trying to The thing is, we all, what are they trying to do? They're trying to serve you. So they have a process they've created because they have an end goal in mind. Well, we have an end goal in mind. That's why we do what we do. That's why we reach people. That's why we build lives, and it's this. It's spiritual family. It's spiritual family. It's a group of people coming together for a unique purpose to experience something far greater than they would experience by themselves. Now, you may go, spiritual family? Well, okay, what is that, Pastor Chris? Is that, is that biblical? I mean, is that like, does that still apply today? Help me. I understand spiritual. I understand family. What does that look like together? What are you talking about? Ephesians chapter 2. Paul's writing. Starting in chapter 1, I'll give you a little context. I'm going to show you something here in in chapter 1. Paul's writing, and he's writing to the church. He's writing to a group of people. And he's saying, I want you to grow in your knowledge and your relationship with Jesus. I want you to understand who he is. I want you to grow in this way. So he's not writing to just a mob of people. He's not writing to people that are disconnected. He's going, I want to help you understand something in a greater capacity. And he says this in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. Verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He gives this picture here, and it's interesting. He says, your eyes and your heart. What's he saying? He's, he's your eyes. I want to talk about your perspective. But then he says your heart. I want you to see with the eyes of your heart. That's interesting. I want your perspective to be connected to the deepest part of how you experience things in your heart. So he's saying, I don't want this to just be theory. I, I don't want this to just be something that you theoretically see. He's like, I want you to experience this and recognize this at the deepest level. He's saying there's an inheritance that happens when you come into your relationship with Jesus. There's something that he has in store for you. And the beginning of chapter 2 in Ephesians is all about that. We're far from God. You're distant. There's a barrier. You've done things that separate you and keep you from him. But yet Jesus comes in and he breaks down this barrier. He closes the gap and he makes up the difference. He draws you near. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He comes and he bridges the gap and he says, I'm drawing you into a place and filling a void that nothing else can fill. It's through Jesus you are far off, but now you've been brought near. That's what all of the first part of Ephesians chapter 2 is. 
And then we pick up in verse 19, and it says this. Consequently, which basically means because. Consequently, so everything you've read up to this point, the fact that I'm writing to this group of people and I want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus, the fact that you recognize you're far from God, there's things that separate you from him, but Jesus draws you near and brings you close. Consequently, because of that, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So he's saying, look, at one point you were a stranger. You were far off. You remember stranger danger? Stay away, right? But he's saying because of what Jesus did on the cross, because if you accept him as Lord and Savior, you become part of something far greater than just something by yourself. I'm drawing you in. And so now you're no longer a stranger. You're no longer a foreigner. You're part of it. And, and Paul's using this language, family, connection, grouping, the thing you experience together. He's using this language because, it's power, because we live in a society. There's a lot of things that we call, we try to call family, Right? My work family, my this, my that. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong in and of itself. Organizations have understood that there's power in family. There's power in connection. So it's a good business and organizational model and structure to take that and go, hey, we're going to use that. We see the power of that. Why? The connection of that. We see the power of that. And we want to leverage that. But nothing can impact you like spiritual family. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He goes on, and what does he say? Verse 20 says, You are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So now he's given this context of building together, joining together. It's the same thing that Peter talked about in 1 Peter. He's talking about this building together and this aspect. Paul uses the word living stones. And I love the fact, and, and I've shared this with you before, that this aspect of living stones, it's not bricks. Bricks are all cut the same. They look the same. You're not being built together in this conformity where you just kind of brick upon brick. It's stones. Every stone has a different shape, a different size, a different hue, a different tone. Every, and it's just like what God does in a church. I love it because when you come in and you see all the different aspects of what it looks like, you get a little glimpse of heaven because that's what it's going to look like one day. So it's stones being built together for a purpose, but Jesus is what? He's the cornerstone. He's the anchor. It's all centered around him. It's all built around him. And then verse 22, Paul wraps up and says, and in him... You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see, we're built together. You can't be a dwelling on your own. You can't just simply be simple and individual and off by yourself. You are unique and there's individuality to you. That's the beauty and the power of stones being brought together. But it is this togetherness. And I think that's what's so hard in the season we're in. I started thinking about this this week as I was preparing for you and thinking about you and praying for you. Yeah, isolation has been hard in this season, but can I tell you what's really been hard is intentionality. Because now I have to work harder to stay connected in the way God designed me. He designed us to be connected. 
I shared that with you a couple of weeks ago when I was saying how, you know, I hadn't been able to work out with the group of guys that I normally work out with. And it wasn't motivation I was missing. It was the connection I was missing. Because that's how we're wired and designed. That's what Paul's talking about. We're all wired for connection. We're all being built together. And so the challenge is some of us have to work a little bit harder now in this day and age of social distancing. And do I go here? Do I go there? Do I have people over? Do I go over to people's house? You have to work harder to be relationally connected. And it's the intentionality that makes it more challenging, even more than the isolation. So you're hearing what I'm saying. You're going, okay, Pastor Chris, all right, I, I hear you, spiritual family. All right, I, I, I'm intrigued. Uh, let me hear a little bit more. I, I think I've kind of experienced something like this, but I didn't know that's what it was. And I never really used that phrase. I wouldn't have categorized it as spiritual family. But, but tell me a little more. Maybe you're in here and you're, you're a little indecisive. You felt it, but you didn't really embrace it. You've heard about it. You've been apprehensive because the truth is when you come into spiritual family and you start connecting with people, you can feel vulnerable. You feel vulnerable. You're like, man, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know. Okay, all right. Just keep going. Let me, I'll listen a little bit more. Maybe you're inhibited. You're inhibited because you've experienced some pain and, and discomfort in relationship. Maybe even just the word family. Like, you're like, okay, spiritual family, I get that, but family? You're going, I had a terrible family. My dad was terrible, my mom was terrible, my family. So, like, family, in it, forget spiritual family, family by itself has got a negative connotation. And you're like, I don't even know if I really want that. What does that look like? Maybe you've walked through some pain or some hurt, and you're like, ah, I'm a little. And what happens is when we experience pain, it could be family pain, it could be church hurt. You've experienced hurt in, in church and in that context. That's very real. You're going, well, people experience that? Yeah. Are you breathing? You're going to experience pain. Even if people aren't meaning to intentionally hurt you, you're going to experience pain. So we live life like this. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Stay right there. Don't come any closer. I will forearm shiver you to the temple. Thank you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Good to see you. Praise Jesus. Stay right there. I'm telling you, I will punch you in the nose. <laughs> you look great today. Oh, yeah. So many people walk in those doors like that. And God uses spiritual family and goes, no, no, no. I, I didn't intend you to live life like that. You wonder, why do you feel that crowded loneliness that you feel? Some of you feel it in your own home with your spouse. And you're going, God, why do I, I love this person. I'm connected to this person. I'm devoted to this person. But why do I feel disconnected? Because there's an aspect that you're missing. And God wants to bring healing and wholeness to it. So you're inhibited. Or maybe you're invested. You're going, Pastor Chris, I've heard this before. I've been a part of this. I've experienced this a little bit. You know, I want more. You're ready to dive all in. You're like, I'm maybe you're hearing it for the first time. You're like, check, sign me up. I'm invested. Spiritual man. I didn't know that's what it was. You know, I, but let's do this. All right, I'm down for the get down. So you, we're all in different places, and that's okay. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you have to be in one particular place. But what I am saying is, let's take a next step. What is your next step? Well, what does that look like? How, how do we do that? And, and why do I get passionate about it? Why could I talk about this? Like I could talk about football all day long. 
is because I've experienced it in my own life. I know what it's like to experience spiritual family. I know what it's like to experience the benefits of spiritual family. You can't go, oh, I want the benefits, but you're not willing to actually step into it and experience it for yourself. We all want the benefits of things. But the, the, the real question is, are we willing to invest in and do what it takes to receive the benefits? So how do we do How do we gain a vision for spiritual family? First is this. You got to know what you're looking for. You see, I don't know about you. Have you ever been with a group of people and you're going, you haven't decided where you're going to go eat yet? Okay, this can be a big deal, right? You, you know where I'm going, right? You got kids, you got teenagers. I got three little girls. And, and we, if mom and dad haven't dialed into like, this is where we're going to eat. And even when we do, it's kind of like one wants this, the other two want that. It's like, a, I mean, like, what are we going to do? We're like, all right, I pull out the old dad. Any dad jokes? And you got dad, I remember my dad, dad, what's for dinner? Fingers. I was like, man, okay, that's a little sick and twisted. What are you talking about? You know, that's what he'd tell us, you know, because we just stay at him. Dad, what are we eating? Dad, what do we do? So now I do that with my kids and my kids are like, I was like, not even a smile? And I'm like, I mean, they're ice in the veins. They are cold blooded. They don't, it's like a chuckle, it's a grin. I don't know. Like, so you're in a group of people and you're like, where do you want to go eat? I don't care. What do you feel like? I don't know. Chinese food, Indian food, Taco Bell, whatever. Right now. I don't know. No, I don't care. Where, where do y'all want to go? Okay, let's go to Indian food. No, I hate Indian food. No, I don't want to go. Why didn't you say that? Let's go to Taco Bell. Oh, no, 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 not Taco Bell. I can't stand Taco Bell. I mean, why? Because inevitably, we know what we don't want more than we know what we do want. And part of it is because we don't know what we're looking for. When we dial into this is what I'm looking for, I'm looking for connection, I'm looking for value, I'm looking for spiritual family, then what happens is you move towards it. You hear me say it all the time. What you focus on, you'll move towards. What you fixate over, you are going to move towards it. It's like a self you go, well, I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that. And what happens, you end up getting the very thing you don't want because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will move towards the thing you don't want. Unless you go, this is what I'm looking for, and that's where I'm going. Psalm 68.6, if you've been a part of 101, you hear me talk about it all the time. Psalm 68.6, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. He sets the lonely in families. Sets in families, that's the emphasis, not lonely. Because you read that and you go, well, I'm not lonely, so I don't need family. Just like when I gave the example of working out with my friends. Well, I don't need, you know, motivation, so I don't need to be a part of a group. No, you need connection. You read that and you go, well, I'm not lonely, so I don't need to be a part of spiritual family. Lonely is the context. David wrote this while he's running for his life, hiding in caves. The emphasis is set in family because God always wants to join you to something far greater than yourself. It's how he works. You see, spiritual family is God's solution to isolation and loneliness. It's God's solution. And God always works this way. You can look all throughout the Bible. You've got Ruth and Naomi, David and Jonathan, Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy, Jesus, the disciples, the early church in Acts. Spiritual family is God's pattern. He always builds this way. This is how he works. 
So you got to know what you're looking for. And when you know what you're looking for, you start moving towards it. But here's what's amazing. It's not just what is spiritual family. What do you get when you experience spiritual family? What do you get? You see, you have to know what you're going to get. If you're going to gain a vision, you got to know what you're looking for, but you got to know what you're going to get if you're going to gain a vision for spiritual family. You see, church and spiritual family, it's not just a place to come and get information and have a great experience. Those two things in and of themselves will not give you what spiritual family can give you. Just getting information, that's great. You got a lot of head knowledge. Just having a great experience, that's awesome. You had a great experience. There's something far greater, and God uses spiritual family as the delivery method. Here's just, I'm going to give you five simple things that you can experience and you will experience only in spiritual family. It's how God works. First is this, multifaceted image of Christ. You're going to experience the multifaceted image of Christ. What does that mean, Pastor Chris? You continue to read in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes, Ephesians 3, verse 10. It says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. The manifold, what does that mean? Multifaceted. It's like a diamond when you take it and you look at it and there's different, you start seeing different aspects of that diamond as you look at that diamond. So what's he saying? This is not, it's through the church. So it's not just through milestones. Paul's talking about the church. Remember, God sets you. So if he set you here, then it's through milestone. But wherever it is, whatever church, if it's not here, then somewhere you have to understand that when you come into that, you help express the multifaceted aspect of who Jesus is. That's what that looks like. And you only experience that in spiritual family. You only experience that in that way. You see, it's we, the we that displays the fullest degree of who Jesus is. We together. We coming together. Here's the second thing, spiritual growth. You're going to experience spiritual growth in, in, in spiritual family. If you've ever been a part of a family, that's a joke. You are a part of one if you're living and breathing. You were born. You had a mom and dad. Okay. If you have children. If you've been married longer than two weeks, how many you know, relationship going to grow you? Anybody know someone you love that pushes your buttons like no one else? I see you elbowing the person next to you, okay? Not so hard. You're going to break a rib, okay? Something happens in spiritual family. It'll cause you to grow, right? It'll cause you to grow. It'll develop you. It'll pull things out of you. It'll grow you. It'll challenge you like nothing else. You experience that in spiritual family. You experience that in a way that, that nothing else can. Because the, the, the truth is, you cannot do the New Testament by yourself. You can't live out what God has called you. You need connection. You need connection. And you need to be able to walk in it. Here's the third thing. This is probably one of my favorites. is generational transfer. Families transfer values. Mobs of people don't transfer values. Groups in and of themselves don't tra families transfer values, and I love it. I love seeing our young people. I don't even just over. I think maybe because of prepare, I loved having them in here. I just get stirred up about young people. I get real dialed into young people. I love seeing them walk in their passion and the purpose God has for them. Part of that is because I wasted that when I was in high school. I spent it on too many other things. But th there's generational transfer that happens. 
in spiritual family that can only happen there. Here's the next thing is you have a healthy process for pain. We all have pain. We all have things that we've walked through. I've, I've shared with you about it before, but your, your, your stomach and your brain are the only two organs that operate the same way. It's called the stomach-brain axis, okay? Which means that the same way that your stomach takes in and has to digest and then excrete what it takes in, your brain does too. But so many of us don't process in our mind, our will, and our emotions the things that we experience and take in. And we are just impacted and dying internally in our mind and in our emotions because we're not processing the pain that we have experienced. We have to be able to, and in, in spiritual family, you have a healthy environment to be able to process those things in a healthy way. That's one of the things that you experience. And here's the last thing is genuine belonging. We all want to belong to something bigger. There's relational connection. Last night I had two conversations with two individuals while I was get, uh, finalizing, just getting ready for the message and praying over this and praying over y'all. And, and one was an, a young man who's in transition. He'd been furloughed. And he texted me and said, Pastor Chris, can I call you tomorrow night? Pray with me about this job. I'm really excited about it. I just want, you know, I just, would you be willing to pray with me about it? I have an interview on Monday. I said, absolutely. So I said, hey, we're going to, let's, let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. And then I got another phone call from an from a individual who's going, hey, I just want to give you an update on my health. And I thought to myself, how honored I am to be able to walk with people through life. And it's not like they're calling me just because I'm their pastor. They could be calling you because you're their small group leader. They could be calling you because you walk life. That's what spiritual family looks like. You live life together and you walk with one another and you experience this general belonging. You see, I remember when I first experienced this. When I was 26 years old. And we use this example here. It's kind of like a, a tuning fork. You know what a tuning fork is? Tuning fork is used on instruments, right? To, to calibrate all of the instruments to the same. It calibrates them all to the same thing. And this tuning fork, you're going to hear us over and over. You're going to hear reaching people, building lives, take your next step, spiritual family, reaching people, building lives, take your next step, spiritual. Why? Because we think you just didn't get it? No, because it's a tuning fork. Bing! And we all come into tune, right? And you didn't realize there's a note that all five of those things I just listed play. And when you come into alignment with that, you start going, this is what I was wanting. And you're going, I want to be in tune with that. So if you're going to gain a vision for spiritual family, you have to know what you're looking for. You have to know what you're going to get. But here's the third thing is you got to be willing to take your next steps. To discover how to be a part of spiritual family, you simply take next steps with spiritual family. Remember, God placed you. God sets the lonely in families. He places you where you're at. And I want to go back to this graph where we talk about reaching people and building lives, this kind of picture here. Because, again, we're, we're going to reach people. Why? Because heaven and hell are real places. Eternity is a long time. And people really spend eternity in heaven or hell. That's why we're going to reach people. If we got as passionate about all the things that are legitimate going on in our world today... As we're as passionate about reaching the lost, what could happen in people's lives? What could happen? 
We're going to reach the lost. But the other thing is we're going to encourage you to take next steps. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we had our, our 101 class. We had 35 people in 101. And it was amazing. This room, the team did great. They stacked all these chairs, uh, put tables out. We had 35 people in 101. We have another. So many people still wanting to go into 101. We have another 101 coming up in September. So you're going to take your next steps. Well, what does that look like? Everyone has a next step that they can take. And so I want to encourage you. When you take that next step, you experience something called spiritual family. And so for you, your next step, it could be going to 101. It could be going to 301. It could be being a part of a small group. If you want to be a part of those, I want you to text this number right here. You can text either Grow Track. Or small groups to that number. And I know you're going, well, Pastor Chris, why do you keep throwing this number up here? Is this like a telethon? What are we doing? Like, what's going on? You know, what are we doing? I'm trying to remove obstacles for you. Because you like convenience. I like convenience. And I'm wanting you to access the one thing that you have on you all the time. Your phone. And just pull it out. And I'm going, hey, let's make it real easy for you to take a next Step. Why? Because I'm building with the end in mind. We as a team are building with the end in mind. Where do we want you to end up? Experiencing spiritual family. But here's where it gets really exciting. Go back to that last graph. With all the green people on it. Something happens. When, you, when you've done this, you're going, well, Pastor Chris, I've done all those steps. I've taken the next step. I'm part of spiritual family. I'm, awesome. Who have you helped take a next step? Who, who have you invited to come with you to service? Who have you said, hey, I'll, let's go to 101. Hey, you know, I've been to 301. I'll do 301 with you. Hey, hey, well, be a part of my small group. Like, wh why don't you come and be a part? I know you're busy on Sundays or you work on Sundays or this, that, and the other. What if you came and be a part of my small group? You see, something happens when you start helping people take next steps. That's where it gets really exciting. When you start going hey, I'm going to take the vision I have and I'm going to tie it to the mission that Jesus has. See, what could happen if you did that? Well, why do you have the house that you have? Why do you have the job that you have? Why do you have the lake house or the, the gym membership or whatever it is? None of those things in and of themselves are bad. They're good. But what if you tied that to the mission of Jesus and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach the lost, at my gym, at my place of work. I'm going to help people take next steps, and I'm going to invite them to come and be a part of service or maybe encourage someone that I've met. And, hey, have you, have you gone to 101? Have you done 201? Have you gone to 301? Hey, would you want to come with me? Hey, hey you want to be a part of my small group? Oh, your child is sick? Hey, well, can we make some meals for you to help out? Hey, your husband lost his job. Can we, can we help out in any way? Hey, we're praying for you. Texting them, calling them, helping people take next steps. Why, why, why? Because you don't have what you have just so you can have what you have. You have what you have to tie it to the mission of Jesus. Because reach people building lives, Jesus gave that vision. It's called the Great Commission. We didn't come up with it. It's called go forth into all the world and reach the lost. Disciple them. This is just 
how we take what Jesus said and we do it in our context. And when we do it together, that's what gets exciting. I've been saying it for the last few weeks. We'll do our little huddle with our serve team just before we go to different areas. And I tell them every week, I'm grateful that we get to do this together. Together. Because it's together we convey the multifaceted, the manifold wisdom of who God is to people. Living stones built together, walking in spiritual family. I want to encourage you, what are your next steps? Maybe you already signed up for 301. Who can you invite to come to 301 with you? Maybe you signed up for 301, but you know someone, hey, I'm going to get them to church and get them into 101, and maybe we can get them into 301 with me. Who have you invited to come and be a part? Maybe you've done all the steps, but now who can you help take the next step?